0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. In, I think, New Zealand, Australia, even the UK, there's um, usually during probably weekends, late at night, you have teenagers, youngsters, after a few hours of drinking, Mm. um, they might, potentially cause some havoc in train station or tube stations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And certain tube stations and train stations in these countries, they play classical music with the intention to drive those people away. Mm -hmm. So that comes into genre preference. So wait a
1: minute. So they play classical music to get people away?
0: Yeah, to get those so-called, they call them hooligans, away.
1: Uh, So... Mm. Wow, okay But presumably if you play punk They're not going to go away
0: Yeah (laughs) Because, yeah So usually teenagers Of that specific group They don't want to relate themselves To something posh posh Like classical Ah, music And yeah They find that not compatible With their identity So they don't like that
1: FM 89.9, you're listening to Night School. I'm Ahmad Fu'ar Rahmat on the show that explores concepts, theories and society. We have with us today, Chia Yi Ting. You are part of the health psychology department that's Mm -hmm. contributed a lot to this show. Uh, But you are here to talk about your field, which is uh, the aesthetics of music and its uh, overlaps with psychology. Uh, Welcome.
0: Thank you for having me
1: here. I'm glad we finally made it. We, unfortunately, the twists and turns of fate meant that we had to delay this a few times. But, um, which was a disappointment for me because this is something I've always been curious about, you know, mm-hmm. the psychological aspect of uh, music. But tell us a little bit about your field mm-hmm. and how it fits more into psychology, right? I mean, in what way is it a psychological question?
0: Um, so basically what I looked at is human responses to music and specifically how does the beauty of music affects people or how people respond to that. So that involves emotional responses. So for example, when we listen to sad music, so there's this theory called the tragedy paradox. So in tragedy paradox, researchers looked at why is it that in everyday life, humans tend to avoid Sadness. Mm -hmm. Avoid being sad, but we seek out sad music when we are sad, and we feel that yes, we feel that sadness pleasant. So there are a lot of explanations for it, and within it, it involves the aesthetic, so the beauty of the music. Mm -hmm. We enjoy that beauty, and therefore, um, that beauty itself it contributes to the regulation of our emotions. Ah,
1: okay, so. The assumption here is that we do need an occasion to recognize sadness. Yes. And music provides that in an Mm. otherwise, you know, generally non sad state of affairs that society Mm. puts us in. Mm. Something like that. Yes. Ah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, uh, how did you get into this field of psychology?
0: Well, I learned music since young. And
1: piano, I assume.
0: Violin. Oh, violin. Okay. <laughs> I also wanted to learn piano, but I don't get to.
1: <laughs> Still time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been really interested in music, and it's been a big part of my life. And so, uh, when I was deciding what to do, uh, I was in high school and I didn't know what I want to do. And Back then, I was in drama. So I like analyzing people, mm-hmm. thinking what other people are thinking. So I got into psychology. And so when I was doing my undergrad, I wasn't sure as well what I want to do in the future. I wasn't sure whether after graduation, should I come out and work or, or to, to further my studies. But after submitting my thesis, then that's when things get really... Uh, it's the end of my undergrad, so right. you start to get nervous. Right. And it's yeah. So after that I thought of I've always been interested in why is it that I like music so much and why is it that people love music so much? And you see in our everyday life people spend firstly they spend a lot of money on music mm-hmm. and people go crazy over idols. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people has been coming out now, so you see like Competition shows on TV how people come out saying that how music has changed their life, and I'm really interested in why such a simple thing as music can impact people like that. Yeah.
1: So I yeah. just
0: randomly Google psychology of music, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when a couple of mu- universities' names came out. Right, and right. yeah, so that's that's <laughs> how
1: <I> <laughs> <went> <laughs> the <into> rest is <laughs> history. <laughs> um, it's interesting that certain forms of musical instruments. Open up deeper psychological dimensions than others, Mm -hmm. right? So the string instrument, especially in how it developed in the West, Mm -hmm. addressed a certain notion of the self. Yeah. That say Gamelan probably didn't, you know? I mean, it it did, but there are two different notions of the self here, Mm -hmm. right? So the Western self, there's this sort of recognition of an insight quote-unquote in a way that maybe other notions of self were not so preoccupied with Mm. and it's always struck me as interesting that certain instruments allowed for that exploration than others right Mm. so in a way that just me banging on this table granted Mm. there's rhythm or there's timing or whatever Mm. right but there's no melody and melody is very personal Mm. you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> In a way that rhythm isn't, yeah. you know, rhythm tends to be more collective, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it acknowledges a, a more a bigger space than just say the inner self, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, is there a clinical dimension to this? Yes. Is there a clinical dimension to this? Mm-hmm. Because when we think mm-hmm. of psychology, mm-hmm. we tend to think of the clinical setting, uh, you mean right? Somebody sitting and say like, you know, I can't sleep, or uh-huh. you know, I have fears of public speaking, or something like that. Okay. Whereas it seems to me that your interest maybe doesn't have a direct connection to that mm-hmm. context. I don't know. Tell us, tell us uh-huh. a bit about that. Yeah.
0: You're referring to the therapeutic yeah. effects of music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a clinical aspect to it. Um, we do have a number of music therapists in Malaysia. And yeah, I think music serves a lot of different impacts on people. So if we look at, uh, like you said, finding difficulty in sleeping, so human responses to music, part of it, it concerns the rhythm itself, the tempo, as well as the melody. So the changes in tones. There's this human response, it's called entrainment. So, entrainment to rhythm, we call it rhythmic entrainment. It's a phenomenon when you see sometimes when people go to clubs or when we hear upbeat music, our heartbeat sort of synchronizes with that beat and we move in accordance to that. So, there's a physiological effect of music, of mm-hmm. the rhythm of music on people. Mm-hmm. And when that Physiological effect happens. So when our heartbeat increases, our breathing rate increases. At the same time, it I wouldn't I'm not sure whether I should say effect, but it's related to how we would perceive that physiological change. Right, right. And yeah, so it affects our emotions as well. So when the heartbeat increases, we sort of think that we are feeling happy, we are feeling excited. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: Interesting. Maybe this is like technically nitpicking or whatever, but that example is interesting because sleep, people use sounds in general to help them sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, lullabies, I think everybody experienced that mm-hmm. before, right? That's clearly music at work, but people sometimes just put on whale sounds, uh, yeah, waves, you mm-hmm. know, artificial waves, sounds or whatever, right? But it, it makes me wonder like is it really music that's helping or is it just sounds right so there's mm-hmm. a big difference there yeah right? yeah so what is it that music does that's just more than sound for the person i guess that's what i'm wondering
0: i'm actually not very familiar with how it would be different yeah but usually those kind of music that helps people go to sleep Essentially, they are a little bit similar to environmental sounds, mm, so like, like waves and all that, birds chirping. So the, I think the idea behind it is that, again, it goes back to how our body responds to all those frequencies mm-hmm. because in our body all the blood flows and heartbeats they are essentially frequencies as well mm-hmm. and that's interesting yeah, yeah, yeah so it synchronizes it's with. vibrations basically yes. right yeah yeah so those vibrations. kind of music yeah. so they are calming in the sense that there's not much fluctuations in the ah, melody as okay, well okay okay mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can't have like sudden highs and lows. Yes. Suddenly a guitar solo breaks mm-hmm. out or anything like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and ostensibly, too, birds chirping is much better than tigers roaring mm-hmm. or something, right? Yes. Your adrenaline might go out and you can't sleep. <laughs> so, but wh- how about your particular work? Is mm-hmm. It's not necessarily in sleep, but what what is your mm-hmm. particular interest?
0: Oh, what I'm interested in, it's quite diverse actually, but um, what I did previously was looking at You know the Mozart effect? Mm -hmm. So previously, there's a lot of researchers that looked into how music could influence our mental functioning. So some people, they like having background music. They can work better under that situation. But some people find background sounds annoying and it disturbs them. And so previously, a lot of research has been done looking at consonant and dissonant music. So mainly consonant music would be essentially music that sounds pleasant. Mm -hmm. Dissonant music would be sounds, it it would be clashing sounds, uh, Mm -hmm. dissonant sounds. So what was claimed is that consonant music, it helps our brain function better because we are better able to process that. And dissonant music, because it's it's all clashes and it doesn't sound nice. So it affects our attention. So... What I looked at is we have to consider the beauty of the music itself as well. So some dissonant music, they can sound really nice. They can sound beautiful. And consonant music, so if it's a consonant music that we listen to every day, so for example, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star oh, happy birthday, it can get boring and that might affect our mental functioning as well or it wouldn't make much difference when when it's compared to not having any background music. Mm -hmm. So when the music is aesthetically pleasing, regardless of it being consonant or dissonant, it might increase our mental functioning as well. In the sense that, so relating back to physiological responses, pleasant music, it increases our arousal. And when our arousal level is increased, it increases our ability to function cognitively as well.
1: Yeah. Um, But you say beauty though, in in Mm -hmm. what regard? I mean, how do you measure the effectiveness of beauty? In this picture, yeah.
0: What do you mean by because you said like the
1: beautiful music helps mm-hmm. cognitive functioning, right? mm-hmm. but what makes it beautiful other uh, than just like is it? Are you measuring effects? Are you measuring hormones? I mean, what's uh, what's beautiful in this regard? Okay. Yeah. Okay,
0: so yeah, that is pretty challenging. So currently, how we measure beauty is based on um your samples' preference, your samples' responses. So for example, to have a huge list of music and then to let your participants listen to all of them and measure them in terms of... Um, so there are studies that looked at what people perceive as beauty. So that involves, of course, beauty. And the novelty of the composition... Um, how difficult that piece is, the skill of the performers, and it involves a lot of different criteria. Mm-hmm. And so I measure based on that. So yeah. what past studies has shown how people think beauty should be yeah. and yeah, emotional expression as well, involves that as well. Right, so using right. that, um, your participants will rate based on those criteria and that's when we select right, the music right. out.
1: Okay, okay. And context matters too, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm writing a thesis, I mm-hmm. would probably like, you know, quiet, soft, you know, predictable frequency kind of music. But mm-hmm. if I'm working maybe like uh, using my hands more, fixing my car or something like that, I, I need something more high octane, mm-hmm. right? So in that sense, functionality is different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of it depends on what you're functioning for too. Yes. Presumably, yeah. Yes. Interesting. Uh, Yi thank you for your insights. I mean, really good insights into the psychology of music and the aesthetics of it and how they connect. Uh, we are on Night School. I'm Ahmad Fuat Rahmat on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, I'm Ahmad Fuat Rahmat, joined this week by Chia Yiting of HELP University, Psychology Department, and we are talking about the psychology of music. Uh, you gave us a good overview of the general themes and approaches of your field. I, I guess my interest as well is partly historical, right, in that the idea that we all have our favorite songs or whatever, is very recent. Mm. I mean, if you think about the earliest concert halls, you know, where Mozart performed or something yeah. like that. You know, I, I remember reading accounts of how people found it odd, you know, mm. that there's this sound from this hall and only a few people can go. And you didn't have the gramophone back then. <laughs> it's not like now you can just like take out your phone and find your favorite song. Yeah. Or even like 20 years ago, you can go and buy a CD and the CD is yours. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why Western music is interesting to me, because it really personalised music mm. in a way that other forms never could, you know. You could identify with the sound itself, you know, mm. for as your own, mm. you know. And that's why, like, back in the day, if you want to connect to somebody, you make them a CD, mm. you know. <laughs> There's this thing called a CD burner. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, right around <laughs> when the Stone Age kind of ended, there was this thing called compact discs and you can like, you know, record your songs. And there was this personal thing where, um, I mean, are there cultural limitations, I guess, to the field, right? In that does mm-hmm. it necessarily assume like a modern context, right? Given the things you mentioned, yeah.
0: Yeah, there are several considerations that we should should take into account. So mainly it involves... Um, culture in general. So, Mm. whether you are Western or Asian, and that affects a lot. And uh, musical background as well, musical training. Mm -hmm. So, usually... People with formal musical training, they tend to prefer medium to um, more complicated types of music. Mm-hmm. And so those without formal musical training, they probably would prefer more simple music. But does <laughs> that
1: translate to different levels of emotional intelligence or anything like that?
0: Uh, I don't think it does, okay. no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if you're like into classical music, you're more sensitive, nothing like that, right?
0: Um. <laughs> If someone is classically trained, they tend to be more more sensitive to sounds. Huh. So they are more sensitive to changes in tones, for example. Right, so for right. example, from a B to a B flat or a B to a right, B, right. B sharp like that. So maybe people with musical training, they are statistically more sensitive to all these changes compared to others but all of this they are statistic you you do have people who are musically trained and they are sensitive as well
1: yeah yeah so presumably uh because they will respond to speech differently too then in that sense right because or maybe (laughs) you don't need musical training for this but sometimes you can sense uh, a change in tone as a change in mood, you know, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, there
0: were yeah. studies, or there are a lot of studies that look into that, actually. Right, right. So when someone is more sensitive to changes in tones, they are better able to detect changes in speech tones by people. So when they are turning um, from a general tone to being sarcastic mm-hmm. or just mediumly sad and trying to hide it inside. So maybe they are they are more sensitive to that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the environment of that training. of classical music. You have to be really precise in the tones and even in the tempo that you produce. So it's that environment that results in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but are there like claims that it can be made along the lines of genre preferences?
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: people who are into metal music tend to be maybe, I don't know, more aggressive or something. I don't know. There, mm-hmm. I Can those sorts of claims be made in your field?
0: It's a pretty sensitive claim to make, I would say. Right. But there are countries that look into that and have used that preference to a certain extent. Countries? Yes. So, for example, in, I think, New Zealand, Australia, even the UK... There's um, usually during probably weekends, late at night, you have teenagers, youngsters after a few hours of drinking. Mm. um, They might potentially cause some havoc in train stations or tube stations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And certain tube stations and train stations in these countries, they play classical music with the intention to drive those people away. Mm -hmm. So that comes into genre preference. So wait a
1: minute. So they play classical music to get people away
0: yeah to get those so-called they call them hooligans uh, away
1: so mm. wow okay so, but presumably if you play punk they're not gonna go away
0: yeah <laughs> because yeah so usually teenagers of that specific group they don't want to relate themselves to something posh posh like classical uh, music and right, yeah right. they find that not compatible with their identity so right. they don't like that
1: yeah mm. yeah interesting interesting <laughs> so how, how long has this feel uh, been I mean, how old is it? How long has it been going?
0: It has been for, if we assess it more loosely, I would say centuries. Oh, yeah. So starting from Pythagoras, he has (laughs) been looking at, you know, all all those different frequencies.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Right, right. But let's say like psychology itself, you know, as a, Mm -hmm. well, that too, I mean, Aristotle wrote about psychology, but let's say like (laughs) modern psychology,
0: Uh right,
1: in the cognitive sense, like, is this? a recent turn in the field or
0: uh it, it's not as recent as we think i would say actually not very sure but yeah it has been here for quite some time even yeah i'm actually not very sure yeah sure
1: sure <laughs> now is there a difference between the psychology of listening to music which is it seems to me that's your main focus mm-hmm. and the psychology of playing music
0: Yes, there is a big difference, not a big difference, but there are some difference. Because playing music, it involves um, coordination of your visuals, your motor coordination, as well as auditory senses. And so in playing music, so studies have also shown that when someone plays music, plays an instrument, it involves almost entirely activations in their brain, so almost the whole brain. And... Listening, on the other hand, it involves less activation. Of course, it's relatively, it's quite a lot as well, but yeah, lesser activation compared to um, actually playing music. Yeah,
1: yeah. Is there any reason as well why music and drugs mm-hmm. are always linked together?
0: I'm not sure whether there's any studies that look into that like yeah i have my own hypothesis but that's not (laughs) (laughs) let's hear it (laughs) that's that's not something appropriate to say no it doesn't it can be a hunch right Uh, it doesn't have
1: to be you're not saying this in your scholarly opinion this is just a hunch yeah yeah
0: this is a a a really personal opinion actually so when it comes to frequency this is something that i'm really interested in as well i hope to look at in the future so when it comes to frequency we mentioned consonant sounds and dissonant sounds. I would think that when people pref- so let's say rock music and all those type of yeah rock and metal music, um the sounds that they produce are pretty rough. So personally, I think that the type of sounds that we like, it I wouldn't say it reflects who we are, but it's related to. Who we are. So, if a person is essentially a calm person and has pretty positive thoughts, then probably they would prefer more consonant, more pleasing sounds compared to someone who is, um, let's say, has more anger in them. Mm-hmm. So, I do think that the sound combinations that we like it reflects our inner self.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it does change if we posit like an unconscious there, right? In that. The things you indulge in need not be continuous with the person you generally are, mm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense where you listen to dissonant sounds, mm. not to speak to your familiar self, but maybe to your unfamiliar self, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? Mm. So I guess a lot of it depends on uh, the notion of the self too, yes. right? Um because you know you have these weird things like maybe this isn't a good analogy you can correct me if I'm wrong but people who you think would not have a high tolerance for spices in their food Mm -hmm. really getting into it Mm -hmm. you know like and (laughs) their faces are red and like everything's oozing out of their Mm -hmm. nose and mouth right (laughs) but you know this person is like You know, you wouldn't think Mm -hmm. they'd be that masochistic, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it too is, for me, these contradictions are interesting because I wonder if they speak to aspects of us that we can't or not necessarily want to Mm -hmm. name, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's where uh, the unconscious comes in as a really interesting kind of concept, Uh, right?
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting perspective to look into. I've never really thought of that. Yeah. But I think it's, it's possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the other thing as well is that playing music, the notion Mm -hmm. of playing music is changing so fast now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you and I are of the same decade that Mm -hmm. we remember that the thing to do was to pick up a physical instrument. Yes. You go to guitar (laughs) lessons, you know, Mm. you go, you have a book that you have to kind of rehearse with. Mm. and one of your parents are gonna keep nagging yes you know (laughs) why aren't you rehearsing do you know how much i have to work to pay for these Mm. lessons and stuff like that whereas nowadays what you do is just like you know cut and paste files Mm -hmm. you know and then you make songs right and you basically are on your laptop Mm. you know and uh i have friends who debate about whether or not a person who's not spinning like spinning records could be Mm -hmm. considered a DJ. Like, how are you a DJ if you're just putting on a laptop in front of Mm -hmm. a hall and pressing play? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then Uh. just like moving around glow sticks, right? Uh How is that DJing? Whereas back in the day, um, when I was a teenager still, you had to scratch to be mm. a DJ, right? I mean, there mm-hmm. your hands were still being used mm. in the way that, quote unquote, playing music these days mm. really requires like two fingers mm-hmm. to cut and paste songs, or cut and paste sounds even, right? I mean, does that change anything psychologically, you feel? Because it's no more, because music is so tactile mm-hmm. and producing music at least used to be very tactile. Now mm-hmm. it's like very digital, right? So yeah. what's, what's, what, what can you tell us about that?
0: This is a really, I would say it's a pretty new field to look at. And it's still unsure what to make of this kind of phenomenon. But there are a lot of people now doing something called quantum music. Hmm. <laughs> I actually have no idea. I don't know how to explain that as well. So it, it looks a bit into composition nowadays. It's it's different. Yeah, so like you said, yeah. in previously we have that strict rule to go by yeah. how how many uh whether different octaves when when it's octaves can it be yeah. put together and all those rules Modes. Yeah. yeah but now um people are looking more into that's art in general people right. are looking more into what you perceive rather than what i want to express for my art yeah and so compositions nowadays it's um very ambiguous yeah yeah i would say and it concerns more on the audiences or the listeners' interpretation rather than the composer's expression.
1: Yeah, yeah. And That's really, think, really good way of putting it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that again personally, this is a personal opinion. I think that it, it sort of reflects how it goes with the pace of the society now, how everything has become more and more uncertain. Mm-hmm. Things are happening out of out of our prediction. It's getting even the environment, it's mm-hmm. um, the the extent to which we can anticipate things happening, that probability is getting lesser and lesser. So that's, I believe it reflects our attitude in things. Yeah, it's yeah. more of what I think rather than what you want to express. Oh, but this is a pretty, it, it's probably not a very good thing to say. I um, think there's
1: some truth <laughs> to that, you know, in that, it's become, you know, it's become more subjective, yes. right? Whereas you got to imagine now all you need is a clip, mm. you know, that's, you know, however kilobytes or whatever that once 200 years ago required mm. 200 people to make, mm, right? Yeah. Like an orchestra back in the day, back in the day, mm. you know, you need it like, uh, you needed a brass section, you need mm-hmm. a string section, you need mm-hmm. like harps and stuff like that. Yes. To get. Now you just have to like cut and paste mm-hmm. the sense that you have to think about anyone other than you mm-hmm. you know is quite clear right yeah. like i don't really you know whereas if you're composing for a whole orchestra you need to think of different moving parts mm-hmm. you know and that i think is a different exercise of the mind Mm. and the body even when you think about it whereas now like i watch youtube and there's like people covering songs and they're just pretty much on their own and they're playing everything mm-hmm. you know so they they loop one part and then they loop another part and then it's a song and to me i find it boring because i've always enjoyed music to watch the interactions mm-hmm. you know how does the bassist look to the drummer that's typically what you know like how does the drummer listen to the bass you know mm. whereas now it's just like cut paste cut, paste, and yeah. then upload SoundCloud, you know, and then Rapstar, right? Uh, yeah.
0: So, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, I mean, but that, that is an interesting psychological turn mm. where you always thought of yourself as a bigger process. Mm. Now you're just, like, cutting and pasting yeah. for, a, a, like, a faceless stranger, you know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, any concluding thoughts you want to listen to know about your field and, you know, stuff like that?
0: Uh, concluding thoughts... <laughs> Well, I think... um, mm,
1: How many people are in your field in Malaysia? 20? Less? I have
0: no idea, but...
1: (laughs) But your guess would be...
0: I probably know those few. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, can't count them. Uh, For... From what I know, I think music therapists... From what I've heard, we only have five all over Malaysia. And all of them, because there's no course in music therapy that, that really train someone as a music therapist in Malaysia. But well, we have in health an introduction to music therapy
1: right, and right. we have
0: introduction to of music, something like that. But yeah, all of those uh, music therapists in Malaysia, they have to study overseas and they come back so again, from what I heard, the demand is really high now and we don't have enough music therapists now to, to accommodate um, that demand. So probably we need more. So yeah. those who are good in music and are interested in the therapeutic value of music, I think this is a really, it's potentially a good area to go into.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And on that note too, you can look up Yi Ting. Uh, at the Help University website to find out more about her work if you're interested to pursue more of this field and this discussion thanks so much thank you for uh, being with us you can email the show bfmnightschool.gmail.com look us up on Facebook and also uh, download our app at the App Store and the uh, Google Play uh, thanks again Chia Yuting I'm Ahmad and this is Night School on BFM 89.9 The Business Station